Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Good morning, savvy listeners. I am glad that you are taking the time to invest in yourself today. Savvy, the business podcast, will show you how your daily habits can create your own platform. One thing that can make this happen, change your habits, change your success. Welcome to Savvy, the business podcast. creator of Expect to Win, and he has an apparel line and a lot of other things that he has going on. Um, sorry, we are starting a little late this morning. We had some technical difficulties. We are on now, and we are ready to get started. So, Jay, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Melissa. I'm doing wonderful. I'm uh, dealing with my early morning voice, which I don't know why, but I'm up early every day anyway. But I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. So I see that you have a paralyzed expect to win. How did that come out, and uh, what made you do something like that to, you know, say expect to win uh, and start a paralyzed? Well, uh, expect to win is is really wow. It's it, it's probably just one of my latest ventures, but really how it came about. Probably about uh, I don't know seven seven eight years ago, uh, maybe a little longer. My brother and I went to hear uh, uh, went to a Nike event. And uh, we went to hear Pete Carroll, who was at that time the uh, coach of of USC, the USC football team. And and I mean, I was so inspired by his speech that he gave about being successful. Right. And when I left, it just hit me, you know, the phrase "expect to win." And 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 the more I thought about it. I, I thought how a lot of people they defeat themselves in whatever it is they want to do, be it business, life, relationships, whatever. They mm-hmm. go into it with a defeated attitude because they don't expect to win. You know, if you've been cheated on before, you go into a relationship thinking, well, if he cheat on me or she cheat on me again, this is what I'm going to do, and all. We don't expect right. to win. I said, but if you expect to win, then that raises the that that elevates your level of participation in whatever it is you do, and no matter what the end result is, you've won because you've given it your best. And so from there, I said, I talked to my brother, and I said, you know, I want to start a movement. So it's, that's why I don't I don't say it's just an apparel line. I want to. It's a movement. To encourage people that when you see somebody with with expect to win gear on, that's somebody that that understands that I may not come in first place, but I am gonna give it my all. And so with that, you know, I decided to try and uh, get a federal trademark on it, which I knew it was a long shot at best. Because I did research, and there were books out entitled "Expect to Win." Other people had used it. It was a common phrase. So, and and 99.9 percent of the time, you cannot get a trademark on a common phrase. Right. And one of the one of the things about filing for a trademark, when you file and you pay your fee, whether they accept it or not, you don't get your money back. 
So that was like 500 bucks that was going to be gone if I didn't get, you know, approval. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I hemmed and hawed for probably like two or three months, and a friend of mine just kept, you know, encouraging me, James, you need to go ahead and do this. Go ahead and at least, I mean, okay, you lose $500, but what if you don't lose? I said, okay, fine, whatever. I went ahead, submitted my application, and sure enough, they turned it down flat. Wow. And I was like, but they, they and, and, and when you apply for a trademark, they don't just send you a letter telling you, you know, we turned you down. They send you a packet. It's like 26 pages of telling you why, you know, you were turned down. And so I'm looking through all of this paperwork, didn't understand none of it. But, at, and, you know, and see, I believe in prayer. I believe in prayer. I believe in trusting God. And I said, God, I just, I cannot lose this $500. And so I'm looking through the paperwork, and at, on the last sheet, there was a, a telephone number at the bottom of the page. Didn't have a name with it or anything. I said, well, I wonder whose number is this? And so I called the number, uh-huh. and it was an attorney's office. And and I said, well, she, and the, 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 the attorney actually answered the phone. And she said, how did you get this number? And I said, well, it was on my declination letter for my federal trademark. And she said, well, what did you apply for? And I told her, and she said, oh, uh, are you James Thomas? I said, yeah. She said, I remember your application. I'm the one that turned it down. And I said, really? And she said, how did you get my number? I said, you, she said because you're not supposed to have my number. You're not supposed to have this number at all. And right. uh, I said it's at the bottom of a page, and I didn't. I just wanted to see whose number it was. So I told her my vision, and she said, "I'm. T- I tell you what." She said, "I need you to tweak your logo just a little bit, and resubmit your paperwork. Resubmit it. If you do it the way I tell you to do it, I will approve you. I will give you the approval on the logo and the words." I was blown away. I did exactly what she said. And I came up as the owner, the federal trademark uh, for the owner of the words expect to win. Wow. So it, it, it has become more, greater than an apparel line right now, working on a deal to possibly have uh, some expect to win shirts sold in Walmart. And my my biggest goal, I really want to license it and uh, a couple of universities are interested in licensing the name, so I just would expect to win. We, you know, right now it looks we, so many things that are in the works. We have a, a, a inside track to uh, getting some things to LeBron James from Expect to Win. So uh, it's really, really an exciting time uh, for the Ex- Expect to Win athletic apparel and accessories brand. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. That's Thank huge. You. That, is, that is really huge. Because that's a true testament to the words expect to win, that you didn't give up, you continued, you, you know, did your research, you followed your gut, and you expected to win to get that trademark. So, you know, <laughs> that's the story for it. You know, you expect to win, and this is what happens. Exactly. And, and, and that's pretty much the story of my life you know from I, because my my story is 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 you know typical of a lot of of uh, 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 black men or, or black people period you know I'm the the, the oldest of uh, six children from a single family household in uh, right. south central Los Angeles and uh, I wasn't supposed to do Half of the things that I'm doing, you know, because we were told that if we lived to be, you know, to see 30, it was going to be a miracle, you know. So uh, I always expect to win. And if I can just get that message, and I really want to get that message across to young people that, yeah, it's good to come in first place and you should strive to be number one. But if you leave it all on the court, if you leave it all on the field, if you leave it all in the classroom, and you know in your heart that you have given it your very best, you won. Right. You won. Right. You are a winner. 
you know. So uh, it's easy to give up. It's easy to quit when disappointment comes our way, even in business. You know, it's so easy to just say, you know what, forget it. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go through this. I'm not going to be tripping with people. I'm not. No, when it's in your heart to do it, you have to You have to expect to win. You have to expect that it's going to be victorious. You have to expect that it's going to be successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you, you go through life or you continue to think that things aren't going to happen, it's, it's true. So many people don't believe in it, but I do. And whatever you put in the atmosphere, that's the direction you're going to go. Because if you keep putting it out there that it's not going to happen or you're not, this isn't going to happen or I can't do this or I can't do that, that's what's going to happen. Well, Melissa, you know, it's like the, it says in the Bible, uh, as a man thinketh, so is he. If you think you're gonna be broke all the time, guess what? You're gonna be broke all the time. If you think <laughs> if you think you're not gonna make it, if you think you're not that smart, you think you're not this, you think you're not th- whatever you think, it's gonna manifest in your life, whether you believe it or not. That's just a you know that's just one of the the laws of the universe. It's gonna happen whether you believe it or not. And so we we live in a society. Where so many people see the, the the bigger issue, Melissa, I believe, is that people really truly do not like to like change. They don't like change. They don't like doing things different. Everybody want to do things like somebody else. You know, in the entertainment industry, we want somebody like this person, or we want somebody. People don't like change because normally change hurts because change is and change involves growth. And when you grow, there's pain involved. And nobody likes pain, so because nobody likes pain, guess what? Nobody wants to change. Very few people can accept the fact that in order for me to get to the mountain, the the, the top of the mountain, I have to change from who I am at the bottom of the mountain. And that hurts. (laughs) That hurts. Yeah. Yeah. It's truly going to be some blood, sweat. And and if we want that change, that means we have to get up off our butt and do some work. It's exactly. not just on your lap. Exactly. You know, uh, if I can, uh, let me share this story with you, uh, Melissa. How um, a few years ago, because I, in addition to expect to win, my my parent company is BEM Media Group, and under BEM Media Group is my publications that I own, the company that publishes my books, um, and pretty much everything else that I do. And so under BEM Media Group, uh, I started Black Entertainment Magazine and the Carson Courier newspaper and the Extreme Runner newspaper. I had got to the point when I first started my magazine, it, I lost so much money. It, it was Really, it was just sad, and I was so close to just giving up because at the time I was married, I had two small children, and all of that, and I had to do something. So, for the first time in probably God maybe ten years, I had to get a nine to five job, and I I was determined that I would, you know, I had. I had my life planned out the way I thought it was going to go. I wanted to be in banking, which I did. I wanted to leave banking and then become an entrepreneur. After that, then I wanted to become a politician. But after getting in the newspaper business and meeting a lot of politicians, I said, ain't nowhere in the world I'm getting myself into that. <laughs> but but anyway, I had to take this job, a nine-to-five job at Ticketmaster, I absolutely hated that job. I hated it because I just did not want to work for anybody else. And but I was excelling at it. That was uh-huh. a weird thing. I I hated the job, but I was good at what I was doing so much so that Ticketmaster was handling the um uh the balls for President Clinton uh, election. 
all of the different balls around the country, the parties and all of that stuff, and they were yeah. handling the ticket sales. So they put me in charge of all of those ticket sales, all of the balls. I was supervising all of the people that were selling tickets for those balls, the celebrities that were calling in, all of this stuff. Still, I just wanted to get out of there. I hated this job. But one day I was on my lunch break, and I walked past this building and saw these computers and books, and and I went in and I asked them, you know, man, this is, like, really interesting. I said, how much is it to come in here and, and do some work? And they said, well, it's a small business information center. It's free. All you have to do is sign in. Now, I wanted to get back in the magazine business, but I couldn't figure out. I mean, I didn't have the, the money, uh, printing. I didn't really understand. The reason it cost me so much money because I didn't know what I was doing. Right. I didn't know what a mock-up was. I didn't know how. To, I didn't know what desktop publishing was. I didn't know what graphic design was. I didn't know what any of that stuff was. And so people just took advantage of me. Uh-huh. So I, I say I go in the small business information center, and I started instead of going when I would go to lunch, I would instead of going to eat, I would go. And spend my lunch, I lunch my my lunch thirty minutes. I can't even say oh, it was only thirty minutes in the small business information center, and I started to teach myself desktop publishing. Like I said, I didn't know anything about it, and so what I did, my first publication, I took the uh, uh, newsletter uh, template in Microsoft Word, and I formatted it into a uh, a, a newspaper, and they were just blown away by it. And you know, at the end when they saw, it. and so what happened? My lunch break started getting longer and longer. So I just made the ticket upon my. I said, you know what? I'm going to quit this job. I, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll get back on my feet by going to this SBA center. And so the day I actually went in to quit. They were planning to fire me because my lunch had went from 30 minutes. I was taking like an hour and an hour and a half because I was at the SBA center. Right. So I had, never, I had never been fired from a job. I'm like, it ain't going to happen now. So when I go in, the supervisor said, well, James, we need to talk to you. I said, well, I need to talk to you too. And she said, okay. I said, well, uh, today is my last day. I quit. You know, and she said, well, you can't quit. We're going to terminate you. Uh, well, it's too late. I waited too late. I'm quitting. <laughs> and then, so I left that day. I quit the job, went right back down to the SBA center, and I just kept working I kept, every day. I, it was time. I didn't even have the money to catch the train, and, and I would just get on it and ride it for free and, and get down to the SBA center. And, and I just spent so many hours down there teaching myself how to do layout, how to do this stuff, and I created a new version of Black Entertainment Magazine in the SBA office. And when I did it, I put an ad in it thanking the SBA Center, and the director came to me, and he said, and I was wondering what you were doing in here using up all our ink. You know, and I was like, and he was so impressed. He reached reached out to the uh, L.A. Times, and the L.A. Times did a story on me. Uh, Black Enterprise did a story on me. And Wall Street Journal did a mention about all of this that I was doing at the SBA Center. Melissa, when I tell you my business blew up after that L.A. Times article, I started getting calls from around the country. People started, they wanted to donate uh, computers to me. They were giving me all, I literally set up an office from things people gave me as a result of that article in the L.A. Times. And then it then it, but at the same time, I was still having to go to the SBA center. But it got I got so popular, I couldn't go there anymore because every time I went, people wanted to talk to me. And the SBA center had even they had a group of of Chinese business students come to America. And it was about mm-hmm. like thirty of them. None of them could speak a word of English, and they asked me if I would do a seminar for these Chinese business students. <laughs> and it was the weirdest thing because there was an interpreter there, but they mm-hmm. loved it. They loved it. And so, you know, it, it's all in your, your mindset that, 
you know, so many people now are just so quick to give up. They just want to throw in the towel when things get hard. But when things get hard, all that is is saying you are changing. You are changing. You cannot, when you give up, if you give up just because things get hard, you're never going to be a success. If that's your reasoning for giving up, you'll never be a success. So, as you can probably tell, I can talk for hours about this stuff, uh, Melissa, but I I don't want to, you know, take over your show. But I get so excited talking about, you know, hopefully I'm encouraging somebody to, you know, to to go for their their dreams and don't give up no matter what happens. Right. And it's not, you know, don't feel like you're taking over. I mean, the whole point of Savvy the Business podcast is, for people like yourself to share your story, to encourage others and, to, you know, put that information out there for them. And it's encouraging to, you know, the ones that is listening in to not give up because, you know, you feel like you're hitting these roadblocks or you keep running to the brick wall. But like you say, things are changing. And we got to be able to have that thick skin, uh, stay strong and continue to push through. And we have to also open that door of being um, receptive to help, to uh, accepting help. And understand yeah. we can't do it all by ourselves. Sometimes we have to outsource things. And sometimes, like you say, you know, how you said and taught yourself, you know, computer skills, you have to find those resources. And in your case, you know, you didn't find nobody that wanted to help you without charging you a boatload of money. So, okay, let me try to figure this thing out. And you did what you had to do. You figured it out, found that resource, and built your brand, built your newspaper, built your magazine. And that's what we have to continue to do. I mean, even with myself, you know, doing a magazine and a variety of things that I'm involved in, it, it gets tiring. It gets hard. But and then you're gonna have that rejection. Yeah, it's it's not gonna always come easy. It's not gonna always fall in your lap, and it it can take a long time before you get any positivity back. Whether it's someone calling to inquire, invite you somewhere, want you to, you know, do a workshop or wherever it is. So we can't look at I'm doing all of this work and it's working. Nobody's not calling me. This didn't happen. That didn't happen. It's that part of building a business, building a brand, and understanding if you're going in that right direction. Because sometimes, yeah. I'm going to hit on this a little bit, sometimes we're building these brands, we get so stuck in our head of this is what I want to call my business, this is what I want to do, this is how I want to brand. But if that brand is not making sense to your mission, and if it's not making sense to uh, what people are asking for, it's not going to happen. We have to be open to listening because regardless of how cute or how much we like it or love it, if you're not getting the attention of a customer or the public, you're defeating the purpose. You can't force somebody to like and do what you want them to do. I have to like it. It's no different if I go to a restaurant. If I don't like that food, I'm not going back. If I don't like that movie, I'm not going to go see it. You know, so it's, it's the same thing, and we have to be open to that and open to um, criticism when it's someone giving it to you sincerely and not just someone that just want to talk. But if you're getting criticism for somebody that have nothing, then no, I wouldn't listen to them either. So we have to be open to accepting that outside help. Um, get you a mentor, get you somebody in your circle that's not a yes man. Um, family, you know, again, I've said this before, family will always support you and, you know, oh, yeah, that's good and all of this, but family can be biased. So you have to get right. that outside source that's going to tell you the truth whether you like it or not. If you have a yes man in your corner, you need to fire every last one of them. They yeah. don't need to <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And you know, you know, I'm sorry, Melissa. Let me just say, you know, because anytime I do motivational speeches for for business students or anything, I try to talk them out of it. 
I try to talk them out of going into business because if I can discourage you, it's not for you. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> if I can discourage you from doing right. it, it's not for you. Because if you are used to getting a check every two weeks and you're going to fall apart when you don't, don't go into business. Don't do not go into business for yourself. If you so used, if you know you got to get that check every two weeks, and because it's not going to happen. And even when you know it, it's interesting. I remember the first time that my business start made uh, ten thousand dollars in one month. I was so excited. I mean, I was like, I was like, man, we made ten thousand dollars this in the month. Right. Then I looked and said, "We spent nine thousand. <laughs> so yeah. I, yeah. I was like, "So I I made less than minimum wage, <laughs> you know, because yeah. I had to pay other people, you know, I had to do all. And if you can't, if 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 you're not willing to deal with that, then being an entrepreneur is not for you. It don't matter what you think, you know. You have to know." You got to know. See, people say you got to know it in your heart, and I don't say that. I say, you know, because once again, the Bible says the, the, the heart is deceitfully wicked. And the only reason it says that is because the heart can constantly be changed. Now, what was difficult to change is when your heart and your mind is on the right page. Now, when your heart and your mind is on the same page, that's when you become indestructible and undefeatable, when your heart and your mind is on the same page. So if you can get your heart and your mind, you know, committed to this entrepreneurial endeavor, then you're going to have some success because now you're in that mode, nothing is going to stop me, and I expect to win. I will not give up. I'm going to continue to go forward no matter what obstacle comes my way. But if you're saying, well, this is what's in my heart to do, well, as soon as your heart gets hit, you're going to give up. You're going to be like, shoot, when they, they tell you, look, we need that money for your light bill and you don't have it, you know, you shoot, i got to go get me a job then. I can't live right. like this. Right. You know. Right. Well, see, and the other thing, so many people get hung up with, you know, is 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 out there. You know, when you start a business, what are you passionate about? And sometimes I have to say, I get so sick sometimes of people. Oh, that's my passion. I'm passionate. I'm passionate. I'm passionate as hell about some shoes, but I don't want to sell no shoes. I don't want to be in the shoe store. <laughs> right. I don't. So we we gotta understand that that passion isn't always necessarily a business idea. But at the same time, I don't want to say, you know, okay, if you're passionate about something, don't do it. But we have to understand the differences. Um, you know, when you ask somebody about their business and, well, why did you decide to do this business? Oh, because I'm passionate about it. Okay. And, you know, so it's, it has to be more to it than that. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. You... a whole bunch of stuff, but that's it. You have to add to that passion what you what you are gifted about, what you are gifted yeah. with. See, yeah. that's the difference. Once again, I make a lot of reference to the Bible because that's what I believe. You know, where it says that your gift will make room for you. Not your passion, not your education. It's your gift. Whatever you are gifted in, and see a lot of people, they don't even want to operate in what they're gifted in. You know, I was listening to a a speech by uh, uh, Steve Harvey, and he said something that just, you know, it just made a light bulb come on in my head. And he was talking about, you know, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know, Colonel Sanders. He said he, he was in his 60s before he had success in frying chicken. But say, but when you look at what's the difference between Kentucky Fried Chicken, El Pollo Loco, Popeyes, churches, they all doing the same thing. They selling yeah. chicken. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> they they yeah. are just selling chicken. You know, I had a friend that passed away that lived here in in L.A. Adolph Doolin. He had a restaurant that was known really all over the world, uh, and Kizzy's Back Porch. And Adolph, when he first started on Kizzy's Back Porch, I mean, it was, 
you you name it, you name the celebrity, and in the eighties and the nineties, they went to Aunt Kizzy's back porch. I mean, everybody. I I saw Magic Johnson there. I saw uh, O.J. Simpson there. I saw uh, 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 what's his name, Alex Haley there, Jesse Jackson. So everybody went to Aunt Kizzy's back porch. Adolph started off because he was in a predominantly white neighborhood. He figured that, well, let me go in here and we're going to sell hamburgers and hot dogs and all of that stuff. Right. Nobody was buying his food. Nobody. He was about to sink. I mean, you know, just, just throw in the towel. But he had a, an aunt that everybody loved her soul food cooking. So, and she had taught him how to, to how to cook. And he right. said he said he just had the idea. He said, "Well, you know what? That's what I'm good at. I don't really know nothing about cooking no hamburgers and hot dogs." And he said, "Let me do what I'm good at." Uh-huh. He said he didn't even have the pots to do it. He brought his pots from home, and he cooked some greens and some black eyed peas and some yams and some chicken, and added that to the menu. People stopped buying the hamburgers and the hot dogs, and they started buying what he was good at. And right. he said the first, his first year, he said, I made $2 million. So oh, The first year after he switched from the hamburgers and the hot dogs, I made $2 million selling greens, black-eyed peas, chicken, and the stuff we eat every day. People was eating it up. But he had to get to what he was good at and what he was gifted at. And that's right. the thing. That's what I love teaching people how to discover what you're gifted at. And I and and I think with me, see, my, with me, I get bored easy. So yeah. I've done so many different things because once I conquer one area, I'm ready to go on to the next area. Mm-hmm. I can give you another another example of of you know how that persistence and determination. In the 80s and 90s, we, we had the Los Angeles Black Business Expo and Trade Show, which was one of the biggest, if not the biggest, black event in Los Angeles. Drew right. over 100,000 people every weekend. And a friend of mine was the uh, uh, director of the Entertainment Industry Summit. Now, the Entertainment Industry Summit was the part of the Black Expo. They put together entertainment industry seminars, brought in celebrities to do autograph signings and all of that stuff. And a friend of mine had a a, a dispute with the director, the the founder of the Black Expo, and she was fired. Uh And I wanted that job. Now, she didn't think I should have gone for the job because we were friends. But... You're not in the job anymore. You don't. You said you didn't even want it. So essentially, it ended our friendship because I wanted the job. Wow! Wow! She stopped talking to me. She she cut me off completely. So now now that's one aspect of the story. Sometimes you gotta walk, even if it means cutting off friends and people that that you you know care about, love, whatever. You know, but if they love you, you they're not gonna walk away from you like over a job anyway. But you know, sometimes you may have to cut folks out of your life. Uh-huh. And uh and so anyway, I I I'm I knew, you know, this would be a huge opportunity for me. Huge opportunity. So I got all the but you can only you can only uh they only interviewed for it, you know, any position once a year for the black expo. So I got an appointment to go in and interview for it. Man, I was ready. Melissa, when I tell you I was ready, I was ready, I was excited. I went in there. I was suited up. I had my presentation ready. I'm like, I'm going to get this job. I'm ready. I go in there. I'm feeling good. I'm looking good. I'm smelling good. Everything. I tell you, when I went in there and I met with the with uh, and I can call her name I see your person Lynn, she because we're the best of friends now. Uh-huh. I went in there and I did my presentation. When I tell you that woman cut me down, 
like I I didn't even I was a novice. I had never been in business before. Like I didn't know nothing about. She said right. I wasn't qualified. It was way too many people in Los Angeles to be considered over me. It it I felt like it was a personal attack on me. That she and she said she didn't even like my magazine. She looked me in the face and told me she didn't like my magazine. She didn't think it was a quality publication. And no, I was not going to get an interview with Harold Hambrick, who was the executive director, because I wasn't qualified. Uh I left Melissa as a grown man. I sat in my car and cried. I was, like, so hurt and angry, and I was like, God, I didn't pray. You know how bad I want this job, how I want this position. I said, and this woman just really, she slapped me upside the head and said, get out of my office, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So I sat in my car, and I started, I thought, I said, I got two choices. I can let her win, or I can come back next year and apply again. Even if they get somebody else, I can come back next year and apply again. And I made up my mind. I was coming back the next year and, and apply again. And I did. And this time I had, like, some watches made up with my logo on it, one for her and one for Harold Hambrick, and I'm suited up, and I got my briefcase. I got a better presentation and all of that. And I go in there, Melissa, she did the exact same thing again, <laughs> again, two years in a row. She This yeah. time she was worse. She said, you just wasting your time coming down here. It's not going to happen. We're going to ha- I already know who I want to hire. I know who we're going to put in that position. It's not going to be you. Yeah. I left out of that office. I was standing at the elevator. I was now. I was just mad. I was just. I'm like. I'm not putting myself through this no more. Cause I'm gonna end up hurting this lady. And <laughs> coming, coming back, coming down here for her to insult me. And I'm standing at the elevator. I'm literally shaking. Mm-hmm. This brother comes out named Dean Dean Jones. And Dean Jones, he he overheard the the interview, and he said, James. He said, man. I'm so sorry. He said, I think Isidra was hard on you. I think she was wrong. And he said, I'm not I'm not supposed to do this. I said, but, and I could lose my job, but I'm going to go in and ask Harold if he would at least see you. And I said, Dean, thank you so much. I, man, I appreciate that. I said, that's all I need is an opportunity to, to you know, sell myself to Harold. Because everybody knew Harold was the man. He was the man. You, if you could get the Herald, you you got it made. And so I go. He's. I, I I said, Gene, here, take this watch. This is for you. He said, No, give it to Harold. Give it to Harold, Gene, because I, I don't even know what he's gonna say. So he go. He goes in there. He comes back out. He said, James, Harold said he'll give you two minutes. I said, Dean, thank you. That's all I need. Make and I said, I went in there. I went in there, Melissa. Harold didn't even look at me. He, he didn't even look at me. He was looking out his window. His window overlooked Crenshaw Boulevard. He looking out his window. He says, young man, why should I let you handle the Entertainment Industry Summit? That's one of the biggest parts of this expo. Why should I trust you to do it? And I put my pitch on myself. I said, Mr. Hambrick, I said, I guarantee you nobody will work harder for you. Man, and I just get emotional just thinking about it because I know it, it meant so much to me. And I said, nobody will work harder for you and nobody will be as faithful and loyal to you. All I ask you to do is give me a chance. He said, well, if we decide to give you a chance, somebody will call you. I said, thank you, Mr. Hambrick. That's all That's all I asked for. By yeah. the time I got home, I had a message on my voicemail from Miss Ruth. I said, congratulations, James Thomas. You are the new director of the Entertainment Industry Summit of the Black Expo. Man, I tell you, I, cr- I cried. I was so happy. 
when Isidra found out she was livid. Oh, my God. To this day, I still call her Sarge because she was so hard on me. And but you know what? No. But you know, that goes back to where I was saying that even though she didn't even know you and how hard yeah. she was on you, that was a lesson in that. And a lot of times it we was. go through the questions and we don't know at that moment we're going to be mad, we're going to be upset right. and everything under the sun. Because, you know, I can relate to that. Uh, I had a mentor um, once upon a time, and same thing. Came in, when I say face crack, had to pick it up, blew it back together, they cracked again, had to pick it up, blew it back together. I mean, because she just like <laughs> went in on me about, you don't know what you're doing, or you thought you knew this. And here I am thinking, you know, I got my stuff together, you know, website logos, all of this stuff. And I mean, just just shattered. But, you know, I mean, it got to a point to where uh, we was doing a video chat, and in the middle of me talking, she just got up and walked away like I wasn't saying nothing. I'm like, no, wait, she, no, she didn't. So, of course, I'm getting ready, you know, come, come, <laughs> all of this stuff. And as time passed, I started to realize some of the things that she was doing, she was saying, and that made me fix some things, go back and adjust some things, change some things, whether I liked it or not. It made me see that it's not about me. It's about who I'm trying to serve. And we miss that. And like you were saying earlier about cutting people off, people are in our lives for a season. And we have to understand when those seasons end. Sometimes it's a lifetime, sometimes it's not. And whatever that season is, it's a lesson within that season, and it's up to us to grasp and hold on to that and do something about it. Or just, you know, they are hater or they wasn't this, and you try to walk away. We have to see what that lesson is. Whether it's a good or a bad one, we have to see what that is and do what we need to do to fix that situation. So it was a lesson in that for her to dog you out and do everything that she did because you took something from that and oh, yeah. it made you a little stronger when you got when you was able to even approach the man. Well, I won't say face to face if he didn't look at you, but right. you know, <laughs> you got ready to approach, you to approach, you know, to to you know, pitch to. But see, let me let me show you, Melissa, how. You know, how you said, you know, once again, the Bible says all things work together for good. Show you how this tied into to my magazine. I had did an interview. I had got an interview with uh, Kashif. Okay. Uh, and and Kashif loved the story I did on him, all of that. You know, put him on the front page of Black Entertainment Magazine, and he was thrilled about it. And he told me, he said, James, he said, if I, if you ever need anything, just give me a call, and I'll be there for you. And I said, Kashif, man, thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm thinking I'll never talk to Kashif, you know, again in my life. Okay. So now, fast forward, now i got to put together this first entertainment industry summit. The Black Expo had been trying to get, guess who? Kashif. <laughs> but they were saying he wanted too much money. And yeah. so I, I called him. I, I, when I found out, this is after getting screamed at by our siege. I'm like, how dare you go over my head and all of this and that. And um, and so when I found out they they had been trying to get Kashif to do a seminar for two years, but they mm-hmm. he they said kept saying he wanted too much money he wanted too much money so right. I called him up I said Kashif I said I need you man I said I need you if you never did a favor for anybody in your life I need you to do me a favor he's like James what is anything man just let me know he said you did me such a solid on that interview and I got so much good press from it and he said yeah. what what do you need I said I need you to do a seminar at the Black Expo for me and he said. But they've been reaching out to my people, and they didn't want to pay me. He said, but no, I'm not asking you to do it for them. I'm asking you to do it for me, Kashif. Please, you don't even know. This will change my life if you do this for me. And he said, well, he said, James, can I sell my books? 
I said, you can sell whatever you want to sell. You can sell your CDs, your albums, your books, T-shirts, blood, whatever you want to sell. I got the authority to give you permission to do that. I just need you to say yes. He said, James, he said, I'll do it. He said, but even better than that, I'll do it for you for free. Oh, Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. I went to Isidra, and I said, I got my first seminar speaker lined up. And she said, well, who is it? You know, just like that. <laughs> and I right. said, it's Kashif. She said, we told you, you don't have a budget for that. We're not paying him all that money. He's, I said, he's doing it for me for free. She got quiet, just like you did. <laughs> she, didn't, yeah. she said, what? I said, she, he's doing it for, as a personal favor for me. And she said, you got to be kidding me. She said, how in the world? She said, don't have that man come down here expecting us to pay him, and he's not getting. I said, trust me, Isidra, it's already a done deal. All he wants to do is sell his books. And yeah. she said, well, we'll put his books all over the expo wherever he wants them. Right. And so we, I, I, I got Kashif to do, I, and I'll never forget it, I got Kashif to do the first seminar <laughs> And the first celebrity, which was also somebody I put on the cover of Black Entertainment Magazine, was Monique. And Monique yeah. brought Dorian and and the other cast members from the Parker. That first year, it blew them away. It blew. And so Isidra was standing down at the, the lobby of the convention center, and I came up behind her, and I kissed her on the cheek. I said, how you like me now? She's like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. And so then, Melissa, when I tell you, I got me and Harold became, Harold passed away two years ago. When Harold passed away, me and Harold was the best of friends. I had Harold home number, cell number, <laughs> a spare set of keys to his car. <laughs> you know, we were just that close. And I asked, I asked Isidra, uh, because I, what I learned about Isidra, Isidra loved the Black Expo so much. She, It was like it was her child. And then on top of that, this was a woman that was, she was married, and she had five sons. And all of her sons were successful. So if you're raising five boys, you're going to be hard. <laughs> you're going to be a hard woman. And she was, and she just really, she wanted to, Expo to be at such a level of excellence, and and so I would do motivational speeches and I would talk about it, and it got to the point where she would tell me, James, will you please stop talking about me in your speeches? I'm tired of people coming to me asking me, why did you do James like that? Why were you like that? So it was like she is, huh? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I and I I asked her to write. Uh, one of the introductions to my book, Five Minutes of Motivation, and she even wrote in it. She said, I, I'm shocked that James even wanted me to write this introduction. She said, because I gave him such a hard time. But she said, but what I learned, just like what you're going to learn from this book, is never underestimate James Thomas. And that made me feel so good. I'm telling you, my... Oh my God! I I I am a motivational story walking around <laughs> because I have gone through so much to see, right. and I still don't feel like I have even reached nowhere close to the pinnacle of my success. Yeah, I I, I really I I hope I helped somebody this morning. I I mean I don't see how you couldn't. I mean it's, it's a <laughs> story. Um, it's your determination that you continue to show is your willpower and like you say, you know, expect to win. That's what it is and you always hold on to that and if you continue to hold on to that, these are some of the things that happen and it goes to, you know, we got to ask people for help sometimes. That's just as simple as that. We just have to ask people for help because it's it's not going to happen with us just sitting, you know, in four four walls thinking, okay, well, I'm on the Internet and this is going to drop in my lap. We can't do it. We have to get out. We have to network. We have to meet new people. 
You have to, when you expect to win, the main thing you have to do is you got to step out of your comfort zone. You have to step out of your comfort zone. If you don't step out of your comfort zone, nothing is going to happen for you. But you got to make yourself think, you got to be so uncomfortable that you, you, you just make up in your mind that I will not lose no matter what. I will not lose, I will not give up, I will not give in no matter what. But it's got to be it's got to be some discomfort there. If you comfortable, you've reached the top of where you're supposed to be in that area. So now you got to keep striving for discomfort. You got to be yeah. striving for discomfort and you have to look at failure as a stepping stone. Not so much that you fail, it's just a stepping stone that you step on to go higher. Because, right. but most people don't want to do that, uh, Melissa, and that's the problem. We don't, especially the younger generation. Nobody wants to go through anything. Everything right. has to be easy, and it, if it's not easy, then I'm not gonna do it, or I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, and like that's, like the younger generation. I mean, we have all type of you know um, age groups that you would think can, you know, stand in it a little longer, that's willing to put forth that effort. But it's so many um, age levels, generations, era, whatever you want to call it, that just don't want to take those extra steps and they're not willing to step in. You know, I, you know, I cross people that have, I mean, talent and some things that just blow you away. And it's like, well, why aren't you you know, trying to build this brand or let people know about you or whatever. Oh, I don't have the money. I don't have the funds. And, you know, I have all these different excuses. But I'm like, today, the Internet? Come on. No. If you could put forth that effort and you sat there on the Internet, Instagram, you know, Twitter, know what platform works for you and get out of that – Social media is just, okay, let me put on my cute outfit, take a picture, or take a picture of my food, or let people know when I'm going to bed. Get out of that type of stuff and really put some meaningful information out there. You never know who's going to come across that page. And yeah. you know, if you people the right way, hashtag the right way, you never know who's going to see it, who's going to share it. And that share is just a link. It's just going to keep connecting and going and going and going and going and going. And you never know. Who's going to see it on whose page? So it's, well, I, um, I say that the Internet is the best and the worst of, of, of society because the, the, the Internet, it gives a voice to a lot of people that really need to be quiet. But then at the same time, it, it, it levels the playing field. You know, yeah. see, one of one of the people that I really admired, was John Johnson that started Ebony Magazine. You know, it, it was so interesting. I, I I mean, just reading his story of how he started Ebony, and, and his mother and my mother had the same first names, and, and I just always admired. But what I loved about, because when I first started my magazine, I mean, when I first started my magazine, we was literally – having to paste up stuff on art boards. Yeah. <laughs> we had to paste it up on art boards and take it to the printer. And and then, you know, as the Internet became began to evolve and all of that stuff, I started thinking, I said, man, I look at Ebony's website, and I can make my website look just as good as theirs, and nobody know the difference. They don't yeah. know, you know, Ebony got a million subscribers, and I have ten. But our websites look the same, you know. Yeah. So it kind of leveled the playing field. So, and like you said, you have no excuse, you know, for whatever you want to do. You can create it on the internet, and and you really you can look like you basically on the internet. You can look like a multi-million-dollar corporation, and you're the only person running it. You know, while you sitting in your bed in your pajamas on your laptop, you know. So, but but you can do that with the, you know, because of the internet. 
you know, the same token. Like I said, it gives a voice to people, some people that need to be sitting somewhere, shutting up in a in a corner somewhere, and and then all of the negativity that people put out and the attacks that people, you know, it's, it's easy to be bold and attack somebody on the other side of a computer screen, you know, mm-hmm. but... But but when you when you use it for what you know for the good, you can really create you can create a business. You can change your entire lifestyle by creating a business online, and basically. And then one of the things you know, it gives you an opportunity to reach so many more. I mean, I remember the days when we had to buy mailing labels. You know, and it would cost maybe yep. two hundred bucks for you know fifty labels, and then now you gotta you gotta put the labels on the envelopes or on the magazines, and then you gotta pay for postage and all of right. that. All of that stuff has been eliminated because you can do it via email. You can do, do everything online, and you and like right. you said, you hashtag and all of this, and and you have a following. But yeah. people make excuses because. That requires them to have to change their way of thinking. Okay. That's what happened. So, I, I really do. I hope I have been a blessing to somebody today and and help somebody uh, on your your radio program. I I mean I can't again can't understand why not because uh, I mean you, <laughs> you you know you shared your story but within that story is so many lessons and. Think, you know, just the, the vulnerability of showing what can happen is not going to always be good. Gonna, like you say, she slapped you side the head and said, get out of my office. It's going to happen. You know, exactly. so we, we it's, it's not always, you know, the shine that everybody thinks. So I truly appreciate you for taking the time to share your story and to come on Saturday this morning. Um and, you know, we have quite a few people listening on Facebook Live. So hopefully, you know, everybody got, like you said, got something out of it. Um, I'm sure they were just so deep into listening to your story that they didn't have no questions because they're, you know, just listening. <laughs> to, somebody, to told, somebody told me that once before. They were like, Jane, your story is so deep. It's kind of hard to ask questions because people are looking at you thinking, and this guy did not give up. He yeah. did not give up, and and that's what I want to say to to your audience, Melissa, to anybody listening, that begin to look at obstacles and even people that come against you differently, because even if they come at you like I see Drip personally and came at me and slapped me upside the head and told me no two years in a row, yeah. I had to look and see. God, what am I supposed to learn from this? It's something I'm supposed to learn. And what I learned from it is that I had to learn how to hold my temper. I had to learn how I could have went off and cussed her out and did all of that demonstrative stuff and who you think you are and all of that, and they probably never would have let me come back in that office again. But if I didn't learn anything else, I learned how to control my temper and how to control my tongue. Just because you have an opinion, you don't always have to voice it, even when somebody attacks you and they hurt you. Yeah, y'all may want to jump up right now because, uh, I have to admit, uh, you know, a lot of family around me, there's um, all right, watch your mouth. But, you know, like over time, you have to learn that. And yeah. what they want to say is like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because I think about it, I thought about it after, like I said, Dean Jones came, he heard me. Now, what if that man said he heard me cussing Isidra out? Yeah. You know, you blank, 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 blank. You know, that man is not going to put his job on the line to send me in the Herald's office now, you know. After he didn't hurt, he, we don't need you here. You don't know how to, because you, you may be dealing with over, you're going to be dealing with over 100,000 people coming in to, over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Somebody going to push your button. Right. <laughs> Somebody right. is going to push your button, and I have had to control my temper. I've had to hold my tongue because I represented the Black Expo. It, like you said it earlier, it wasn't just about me. 
It wasn't just yeah. about James Thomas. Now, now you representing the Black Expo because if somebody come at me wrong and I cuss them out and all of that, so now guess who they gonna go to? They gonna look at Harold Hambry. Now I'm making him look bad. So yeah. that's what I I learned, and even to the point, you know, one year I had, you know, I had my my my, my uh, Keith Morris, the comedian, and he was my host, and my uh, we, we were partners. He did, and one year we decided that uh, uh, cause Harold that he would always move our booth around, and he said one year he told me he said James he said cause you always have all these people blocking off you get these celebrities and now can't they can't get the other people booth so I'm gonna put you on the back wall this year I said Harold I don't care where you put me I'm gonna draw a crowd, and so what yeah. we did we we he put us on the back wall, and I told Keith I said you know what we're gonna do this year. We're going to have the world's biggest electric slide dance-off. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't forget that day. We were, It was probably, I don't know, 200 people, two or 300 people in that aisle <laughs> doing the electric yeah. slide. We had a DJ and everything. And next thing I hear over the loudspeaker, I see Drew's voice. James Thomas, please come to the expo office. <laughs> and but now she can't come at me. I mean, she it was it wasn't you know it wasn't her usual angry tone. It was like oh my god, I got to deal with James again. And so she said, James Thomas, please come to the expo. She's like, she's like, James, what are you doing now? People are saying, can't nobody get to your booth, that booth. You got all these people dancing. <laughs> she said, can you please rearrange it so they're not blocking other people's booths? I'm like, all right, I see you. I'll work on it. Let me see what I can do. See, that's why I'm not. I didn't stuck my chest out a little bit. <laughs> let me let me see what I can. Let me see if I can help you out now. But that, I, you know, I, I, I would have done the same thing. I don't like <laughs> the same thing so. But it's it's um we're coming close to the end. I mean, I, I much as I hate to. Um, uh, thank I, you. thank you for having me. Absolutely. Let everybody know how they can uh, purchase the Expect to Win apparel, how they can contact you, your website, social media, all that good stuff. Okay. You can you can purchase Expect to Win gear at www.expecttowinathletica. No, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, Expect to Win Athletic A. Let me Athletic A, I think that's the website. Let me double check because I it's expect to win. Uh, expect to win AA. dot com. Thank you, Melissa. Expect to win AA dot com. You can go there and and you can see all of it and uh and then you can also you can follow me on Instagram at J Thomas Luxury. Uh, that's the brand for my art. I'm also an abstract artist. You can follow me there. You can follow me on Facebook at James Thomas Sr. So I'm all over the place. If you Google Expect to Win Athletic Apparel, if you if you Google Mr. James Thomas, um, you'll find me. But James Thomas Sr. on Facebook, uh, J. Thomas Luxury, or Expect to Win Athletic A on uh, Instagram. Okay, great. So everyone that's listening, I hope you got that, but I'm going to post it as well so you can be sure you go to his website and support him with the apparel and um, just follow him. I mean, he's doing great things, so you want to be sure that you're following him and uh, checking out what he has going on. And also to listen to the uh, archive of this show or any other show, uh, it's blogtalkradio.com backslash Savvy Mad Biz. And the website for uh, Savvy the Business uh, Magazine and Savvy the Business Podcast is www.savvymad.biz. B-I-Z. Um, we're on Instagram, Savvy Mad Biz, Twitter, Savvy Mad Biz. So everywhere, Savvy Mad Biz, and hashtag is Keep It Savvy. That's what we always use. So anytime you want to jump in or anything, search for Keep It Savvy, and you can catch up with us. 
So, again, uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening in, taking the time out your Saturday morning to come in on Savvy Mac, the business podcast, and listening to uh, James Thomas, senior, uh, Expect to Win. It was a great conversation, uh, great story, uh, great motivation, just, you know, yeah, everything uh, dripping in that story. So um, thanks again, James, and uh, we will be in touch. We will be talking with Amen. you. Amen. Okay. Amen. God bless you, Melissa. I wish you nothing but prosperity and success with your magazine. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. All righty. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.